Well, it's good to be with you this new year and uh, talking about stress. Before we get into that, I do want to mention that this, uh, there, I bought a book a couple uh, months ago by David Marvin, and it's called We're All Freaking Out and Why We Don't Need To. And so a lot of the ideas from this come from that. And uh, there's actually at least one small group in our church right now that is actually going through that book or just finished it. And I do want to mention, if you're not a part of a small group, there is a sign-up table on the back. And then if you're online, there is a chat thing that I think there'll be something popping up about small groups shortly um, that you can sign up even to, to be a part of an online small group in that way. But I, I really want to encourage you, if you're not part of a small group, to be a part of one. Because as I said, Christmas Eve and at other times, church is not about listening to a great speech or even a half-decent speech once a week, okay? It's about a spiritual family that, that helps you and that you can be a help to in following Jesus Christ. And so small groups are a way of doing that once a week where you can get together with people who know your name, who'll notice when you're not there, and where, where you can talk to and, and actually work out your salvation with and, and um, following Christ and all of that. So... Um, uh, and you can follow up on the sermons. There's, there's a, a lot of groups who do that as well, and the, they're discussing what we're talking about here as well. But we're talking about stress, and I do think our culture... So I had a couple people ask me over the last... Uh, since Christmas, um, is this about COVID? And the answer is yes and no, okay? Because really, this is something I think that our culture just oozes stress. Um, and, and whether it's about, I, I thought back in 2016, there was a, there was a sentence, people used it as, as t-shirts and on bumper stickers, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. That was the sentence. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. And back then, you're supposed to be outraged about um, sexual assault, about mass shootings, about fracking, and environmental things, because that's going to bring the end of the world about. And also, like, you need to be upset. You need to be in a state of, of anything but peace. And I, I, I think more than anything, I think peace is one of those things that Satan finds very difficult to counterfeit. And there are counterfeits to peace, but I think it's a difficult one because you have to give up so many wonderful sins <laughs> in order to have peace. You can't have coveting and jealousy and you can't have that self-righteous anger and, and you can't have fear and you can't have all of these just delicious sins that Satan just enjoys so much in order to have peace. And I think our culture, not, not just, you know, recently it would be about, you know, government power grabs and people not wearing masks and people forcing others to wear masks and people not getting a vaccine or people forcing others to get a vaccine or, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But really at the heart of it, I, I guarantee you this year, if, if these stresses and anxieties and, and outrage, if, this, if, if we stop being outraged about this stuff, there's just going to be something else that fills its place this year. And then after that, something else and something else. And so, so this is a counteract to that. Like, how do we live in a culture that just oozes stress and outrage and, and anything that, that has, is the exact opposite of peace? How do you live in a culture like that and have peace? And so we're going to look at a story today 
uh, in Jesus' life where he meets two women, Mary and Martha, and he's friends with them. They, they know each other well. And before I get into the story, I want to tell you two things about the story. Number one, it is about two women. This is not a sermon just for women, okay? So stress is not just a female problem, all right? Us guys, we know that we get stressed too. It might be about different things, but we're, we all battle stress. So this is about women. This is not just for women. And the, the second thing is this is not a Martha-hating sermon, Okay, Martha is not in this message because she's so awful. She's in this because she's so relatable, I think, to all of us. And so here's the story. Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and they're on their way to Jerusalem, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, let me just stop right here and point out something else. A lot of the, the stories uh, that Jesus is involved in and that he tells are surprise stories. So the parable about the prodigal son, this bad son who takes the inheritance and he squanders it, it was a surprise ending. Because he comes home and he's supposed to be, you know, disowned by his dad. He's supposed to be punished, and, but his dad still loves him. And everybody would have scratched their head and be like, I didn't see that one coming, right? And then the, the unmerciful servant and all sorts of, there's, there's all sorts of stories Jesus tells and they have surprise endings. And this is a surprise story as well, only it really happened. And in this surprise story, what you're thinking, if, okay, if I'm here, there's Mary and Martha. First of all, Martha owns her own home. It says Martha had a house, and Martha invited Jesus and the disciples to come. Now, maybe she owned it with Mary. We don't know, but it doesn't say anything about Mary owning the home. So Martha owns the home. Martha initiates and invites, it wasn't Mary, Martha initiates and invites Jesus and the disciples to come over. If I'm a single guy in first century Israel, Martha's the keeper, okay? She owns her own home. She works hard. She's hospitable, inviting to others. And what does Mary have? Mary is like sitting in the corner, peace, <laughs> just listening to Jesus, not doing a, a single thing. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, she's the loser, man. <laughs> you want Martha. Martha's the go-getter. Martha's the prize. She's the catch, right? And so uh, even the disciples, I bet, they're, you know, of course, men, you know, we're not supposed to do this women's work, you know, but what's Mary doing sitting there with us listening to Jesus? I don't, I don't think they thought Mary was special either. I think they would have all thought Martha's doing the right thing. Martha's the good one. And yet, this is what Jesus then says to her. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. It's kind of trying to break it to her lightly. There's a very few, actually there's just one, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And I think anyone who was paying attention would have been like, What? She's, you're not praising Martha and you're saying Mary's got it right? What is going on? And I think 
here is, is why it's so foreign to us, because Martha is totally stressed out. And so if we want to figure out how to battle stress, and, and maybe you can never completely overcome it, but certainly you can have peace like, like Jesus says we can have peace. And so how do you battle with stress? And I think to battle it, we got to figure out where it's coming from. And number one, one of the biggest sources of stress that we don't realize is distractions. In fact, in the verse here, it says, now Martha was distracted, verse 40, by all the preparations that had to be made. Here's something that this woman uh, survived a concentration camp uh, during Nazi, uh, during World War II uh, in Nazi Germany. Her name was Corrie Tenboom, and she said, if the devil cannot make us bad, he'll make us busy. And there's a lot of insight in that. In fact, there's another quote by William Carey, who was a, a famous missionary in the early 1800s, and he said something along the same lines, and that was, he says, I'm not afraid of failing. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. And that's what, this, that's what Corey's talking about, this busyness, that I'll be really good at doing a lot of good things and miss what is best and what really, really matters. And so she's distracted by these preparations. What are we distracted by today? In fact, in, in medieval times, there was something called death by distraction. Do you know what it was? It wasn't watch a squirrel until you go crazy, okay? It wasn't that kind of death by distraction. It was, it was actually, they call it being drawn and quartered. They, they would grab your one arm and tie a rope to it, your other arm and a rope, your one leg, your other leg to a rope, and all attach them to all four different horses and distract you to death. And that, that's the picture that we feel many times with distractions and stress, like we're being pulled in all these different directions all at once, and it's just, and it's just, just spinning in your mind, and you, can't, and you can't block it out, and you can't concentrate, and, you're, and, and maybe you're feeling that way right now. And here's one of the biggest distractors in our lives, right? In fact, I want to teach you a little trick that I have with my phone. If you push this button and that button with my phone, it does this. It says slide to power off. And you can actually just turn it off. Some of you don't know how to do that. Like maybe you've never done that before. Here's, here's some statistics. The average adult under 40 touches their phone 2,700 times a day. Now, you think about that. Now, every letter you text is a touch. Okay, so, you know, maybe you get 77% of Americans own a smartphone. Half say they couldn't live without it. All right, let's think about what it means to live. Right, really, you can't live without it? This was interesting. 66% said they're addicted to their phones. 20% of Americans, all Americans, this isn't just under 40, 20% said they would rather go barefoot for a week then have a break from their phone. I'm guessing that's warmer climate. <laughs> like maybe that's like all these Florida people are, yeah, I could go barefoot for a week, you know, my boss might look at me a little weird, but you know, but to go without my phone, and that's not even go without your phone for a week, that's just a break from your phone. Okay, if, if you would struggle to do what I just did, like this afternoon, do what I just did, set it aside, and pick it up after dinner, okay? 
If that would bother you, you should probably do it. And, and, and distraction is one of these causes of stress that is just, it's, it's like a little drip of water, right? And, and just, it, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it just keeps dripping and dripping and dripping and dripping. And we take time off, and yet we don't really rest because we're constantly thinking about 20 different things. And so, you know, if your life is full of joy and peace, don't, don't, don't worry about this, okay? But if you're stressed, in fact, we found this with our kids. You know, a, a, a great way, when, when my daughters, we haven't really given our, our, this is awful. My son is almost 17 years old, and I think he's the only 17-year-old American boy who does not have his own cell phone. Okay, but, but with our daughters, we, we had, and we noticed that with one of them in particular, when she would get snippy and mean and, and impatient and, and, you know, and we, one of the punishments sometimes of, of certain behavior was we're taking her phone away, she was better. And, and now it really bothered her and she wanted it, but, but and she didn't realize that you're actually a nicer, better, happier person. She's a happier person when she would take a break and was without it. And we as adults need to learn this lesson, okay? Don't be like, yeah, I'm gonna take that away from my teen. Yeah, you try it. <laughs> you know, so a lot, of, a lot of teens realize that their parents are worse at this than they are. Um, constant distraction does not rest your soul. It does not recharge it, it will drain you. And Jesus never says what Martha was doing was bad. I think if Jesus came to the house and Martha was doing something outright sinful, you know, she was uh, pickpocketing the disciples or something, you know, or, or she was, you know, silly, she was like torturing a chicken out back or something, I don't know. Like if she was doing something that was actually bad, I think Jesus would have confronted her and said, Martha, what are you doing? That's wrong. But, but she wasn't doing anything bad. She was doing things good. Maybe she's like, oh, Jesus loves that one soup. I remember I had made that soup for him last time he was here and he really complimented me. So I gotta make that soup and, and everything's gotta be just perfect and, and you know, I gotta do you know, good things. Problem wasn't that she was doing good things. The problem was she missed what was most important, which was spending some time with Jesus. Becky had this sign in the kitchen for years and years at her old house in Johnson City and then I think in her new house for a little while as well. It's more important to be godly than to get things done. And some of us men, we need that maybe on our truck, you know, or at our workplace or maybe tattoo it on your hand or write it somewhere because we, we need that too. It is more important to be godly than to get things done. And Martha chose what was better? Well, th that's one of the things that, that causes stress is constant distractions, but there's another cause of stress that's, I think, even greater, and that is expectations. We'll read what, what happens here. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. That You don't understand it. what I have to do. There's so much that we think we have to do that we don't, don't really have to do. 
and, and the expectations, and I think there were expectations put on Martha by others, but I think the person with the greatest amount of expectations was Martha herself. In fact, I, I did some marriage counseling with a, a couple recently, and, and we were talking, and the, the guy pointed out something about his wife that she needed to do, and I said, you know what? You are exactly right. And I'm telling you, you should not say that again because at this point in your marriage, your wife doesn't need you to help her go on guilt trips. I happen to know a wife, <laughs> and she goes on guilt trips all the time. <laughs> and she doesn't need my help to go on guilt trips. Like, so what she needs from you is encouragement, not pointing out all the things that she doesn't do right, especially at this point in your relationship. You know, so, so, so these expectations, here is the key to how do you not be stressed about the expectations of others and the expectations that you have for yourself. Here's the key, and you're not going to like it. You have to be okay with letting everyone down. My biggest fear is Failure. And maybe more to the point, one of my biggest fears is being seen as a failure. And talking about expectations, there are more expectations placed on me spiritually as a pastor than on most people, most of you here, right? And so there's this man I know is struggling with addiction and this couple and that couple and the other couple, all the three couples and their marriages are really hanging by a thread. And, and then, then there's this young man and he's, he's on his own and he's just, he, he doesn't have a wingman. He doesn't have, he's a young guy and he's going to get brainwashed in college or he's going to get um, pulled in the military in a different direction and I'm the shepherd. And I'm supposed to take care of the sheep and I'm supposed to protect the sheep and I'm supposed to, 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 to be there and feed them and lead them beside still waters. But here's the thing, I can't meet everyone's expectations and I can't even meet my own expectations. And, 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 and talking about this, I'm not saying we shouldn't care about excellence. I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard and do our best. But many times, your best isn't good enough, is it? And you try your best, and it's just not enough. And that individual goes off and still makes awful decisions. And, and, and what you were trying to prevent still happens, and the financial problems are still there, and whatever it is that you're wrestling with. And, and we have to care about one person's expectations of us. What does God want? And it doesn't, nothing else matters. And I can let everyone down, and I need to be willing to let everyone down except my Savior. And that is such a hard thing. But it is the only way out of this stress and this constant hamster wheel that we find ourselves on, trying to please other people, just focusing on pleasing God. Sources of stress, another source of stress is fear. 
right? And this, this goes together often with expectations because I'm afraid of what other people will think of me or I'm afraid of failure or I'm afraid some of the stresses, or I'm afraid of death. There's this disease and it's deadly. In fact, there, there was, a, I think it was this last week, if it was the week before, I'm not sure. Back on Don't Go to Church Sunday, we, um, one of the, the projects we did was to scrape a house for a, a couple in town. And I think they're in their 60s. And um, anyway, so a bunch of people from the church went over, scraped their house. The, the man of that house passed away from COVID this last week. And, um, I, I, you, you know, it's It's real. And, and, and people are afraid. You know, I'm afraid of this. And some of you, and, and <laughs> there's a boy in Daniel's class, Bradley. He's been quarantined like four times since like September. Like he just gets back and then the kid in the seat next to him gets COVID and he's got to be quarantined for another, you know, whatever, how long it is. And, and then he gets back again and then he had to go out again. And, and so some people are just scared of being quarantined, you know, and scared of it. Maybe, you know, some have lost their job. You know, at least one nurse and others who've lost their job because they wouldn't get vaccinated and so they were fired. You know, and there's all these things and all these expectations and all these, and all these fears that we might have. And, and this is really key. Your emotion reveals your devotion. Whatever you're scared about shows you what's important to you. And, and it's like a good like check engine light that, that flashes on in our lives to help us realize, is this, is this too important? Is this more important than God? Because, you know, most of us, we think that, that God wants to be the most, uh, the, the biggest priority of our lives or the most more important than other things. And it's not really that. It's God wants to be the only priority of our lives. He wants to be the only thing that's important to us. And, and fear reveals what other things maybe are, are, are trying to muscle their way in on God in our lives. And maybe, you know, so if I'm fe- afraid of dying, well, well, my life is important, but it's not more important than serving God. You know, fear of taking my freedoms away. Well, my freedom is important, but it's not more important than following God. Uh, disappointing others. Well, disappointing others, other people's opinion is important, but it's not as important as what God thinks of me. And so as you think through your stresses, how much of it is distraction? Can you limit your distractions? Can you get rid of your distractions as much as possible to lower that stress? Can, can you not be, be willing to let everybody down? And can you, can you trust those fears to God? Here's the side effects of stress, and we see this in the passage as well. Um, I tell God what to do, and I'm angry when he doesn't obey me. And we see that Martha is doing that. She's distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So she's telling God what to do. And she's actually really ticked that he hasn't done it already. Because hasn't he seen what's been going on? He's all-knowing. He's, he's Jesus. And, and she's right in the front row. 
And apparently he needs my, God needs my help on this one because he's not doing things the right way. We, we need to realize that when we don't understand what happens in my life, it's not because God's messing it up and it's not because God doesn't understand what I'm going through. When I don't understand what's happening in my life, it's because I don't understand. And, and Jesus' response to her, though, I think is, is really a beautiful thing. I, maybe I'll get to it in a little bit. But side effects of stress, second thing is I blame others for my problem. And Martha, of course, is doing that. She's, she's blaming Mary. You know, if Mary would just help me, I wouldn't be so stressed. I would, I, my life would be better if it wasn't for Mary. <clears throat> and in fact, my life would be better if Jesus would get on the ball, too. And if Jesus would talk to Mary, then Mary would do what she, and, and then my life would be less stressed. A lot of times we blame our stress on other people, right? If, if my wife wasn't so critical of me, if my kids weren't so rebellious and doing the wrong thing and making stupid choices, or if, if my boss wasn't such a tyrant, well, sure, your life would be better, but you need to understand that the stress, stress comes from within, no one can force that emotions of fear or, or you know, expectations upon you. And, and we need to recognize that and realize that, that that's, that's, that's not somebody else's fault. Quit blaming other people for the stress and for the anger and for the outrage and for the fear and for the whatever else, the depression that's in your life. You know, it's something you need to own. And, you, and the great thing about that is you can't, see, if, if your stress was a result of your boss, you can't fix it. Well, I guess you can quit your boss. So <laughs> I was told people don't quit their jobs. They quit their boss. So, uh, you, you know, but, but a lot of stresses in our lives, we, if it's someone else's fault, like we're completely powerless. We can't do a thing because we can't change other people. But if we realize that, no, my stress, my fear, my anxiety, my whatever, that it's, it's mine, well, then I can set about like, and try to change it. And, and, and how, how do you change it? That's the key. And the key is we, we need to sit with the Savior. That's what Mary did. She, she stopped all the busyness, the things that had to be done. Now, here's the thing. If Martha didn't do what she was doing, then the disciples were either getting no food or bread and water. Can you imagine inviting a very important guest over and then serving them stale bread and water? <laughs> like, what, what would people think? You know, that, that would be awful, right? Your reputation, your... But Jesus was saying, it's all right. And, and honestly... A year or two later, Martha understood. And, and, and it's kind of cool how sensitive Jesus is to Martha. Martha, Martha, he answered. It's almost like he loves her so much, he loves her name so much, he wants to say it more than once. You're worried and upset about many things. He could have just brought the hammer down on Martha, right? I don't care, Martha. Who raised your brother from the dead? Have you forgotten that one already? 
And you, you, you said, you, you blamed me then, too. You said, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Now, Mary also blamed me, but, you know, Martha, and now here you go again. You know, and, and yeah, you're going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to die on the cross for you. I'm going to be brutally beaten for your sin. And you dare question whether I care? How dare you, Martha? I mean, he, he could have come down hard on her, but he doesn't. He is so gentle. He is so loving. And he's, he's trying to break it to her. A few things are needed. Well, by a few, I mean one. You know. And Mary chose not what is better. She chose what is better. You know, and I, I think just in a gentle way, he's, he's trying to help Martha see and, and you know what? I think the lesson, whatever was learned here, and maybe she learned it all here, but I think she really would have learned it a little over a year later after Jesus had died and rose. And then she said, I didn't understand. I didn't realize. He was in his early 30s. I thought we would have decades more with Jesus. I didn't realize how little time there was. And I didn't realize how important it was to be with him when I could. And, and I think we need to realize that too. H- how little time we have and how important it is to be with Jesus. Imagine the most important person you can imagine, the, mo- the most special person that you would want. There's a question sometimes people ask and they say, if you could have lunch with anyone throughout all of human history, who would it be? You know, and I don't know who historically, like really, you know, Mother Teresa or Winston Churchill or Nelson Mandela or maybe someone from the Bible like Moses. I mean, Moses, the ten plagues and the leading the people, leading millions of people out of slavery into freedom and incredible leadership gifts. And what, what if Moses was coming over? What if Mary, the mother of Jesus, was coming over this afternoon to your house? Would you make time for her? Oh, yeah, you would. You'd be like, man, I want to I sit with Mary. And I want different Mary than this one. Or maybe you want to sit with this one too. I'd, I'd take that up. Or, or whoever it might be, Peter or whoever. Man, if they're coming over to my house, I want I want total attention. And I'm, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to turn my phone off. And I don't care who calls. I'm going to be with Mary or Moses or Winston Churchill or whoever. And the truth is, every single day, we have an opportunity to meet with God himself. And we're just too distracted. We're too, we're too busy, right? As if something could be more important than sitting at the feet of Jesus. I think, I think Jesus is telling Martha here, even eating, if something's got to go, if you are that busy that you can't stop and listen to me, let's skip a meal because it's that important. And so my, my challenge to you today is when are you going to set aside on a daily basis a time to be with God? Because I think that is the antidote to the stress, and we're going to talk about fear, we're going to talk about um, 
depression and other things, and, and I think that all of them, one of the key antidotes is just stopping and being with Jesus. And, and so when do you do that? When is that built into your day? Some of you, you have it built into your day already, and that's great. Just keep doing that. But others of you, you've, you've not done that. I, I, would, I would be willing to bet this crowd, those online, those here, these are church-going, God-fearing you know, people for the most part, and I would bet 90% of us spend more time listening to all of what's going bad in the world than we do sitting at the Savior's feet. And so what I want to do as we close the service today, we're going to remember Jesus' death for us. And as we do that, in fact, if you, if you didn't get one of these, um, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are co- totally committed to him, if you're not, then just, just uh, glad you're here and you can just watch. But if you're totally committed to Jesus Christ, there are some on a table back there, and they're tricky. There's a little see-through plastic thing on the top to get the wafer and then another um, thing to rip off to get to the juice. Um, but but this, this is something that Jesus commanded us to do, to remember his death. And I think one of the good things to do before we eat the bread, remembering his body, before we drink the juice, remembering his blood that was shed for us on the cross, I think one of the important things for us to do is is to talk to him. Before we do that, I've got one more slide I need to share with you. If, if you want reminders, one reminder a week for the next four weeks and then it's done, okay? If you want one reminder a week for the next four weeks and you didn't turn your phone off like I did, okay? If you text prayer to that number um, once a week for the next four weeks, we will remind you, hey, do you have a time, are, are, did you spend time in prayer today? Um, because it's just so important to get alone with God. And so that's one of the things, even this, this uh, challenge four Sundays in a row, come to church four Sundays in a row. For some of you, that'll be really easy. For others of you, you're like, man, I have to give something up. Others of you are working every other week, I, and I understand that. But again, this is a time where we can put the stresses aside and put the distractions aside and think about our Savior and what's most important. And so right now what I would like us to do is just to spend the next 120 seconds just in silence talking to God. Say, God, I love you. God, what do you want me to do? God, thank you for all you've done. Just, just talk to God for the next two minutes.
the night he was betrayed, the Bible says Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat this and do this in remembrance of me. says in the same way after supper he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this in remembrance of me Heavenly Father I just uh, thank you for Jesus and for all he did for us And I thank you not only for his death and sacrifice for us on the cross, but I just thank you for his example and the life he lived. If anybody should have been stressed, it should have been Jesus. He had more to do. He had more responsibility. He had more pain awaiting him. He had more to fear and more possible things to be anxious about. And And yet Jesus had peace. And even the night before he was crucified, he said to his disciples, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. God, I just ask that you would give that peace to each and every individual here, but not just an emotional peace that kind of covers over the the stuff underneath, but that, that peace that only comes with being willing to let everyone down being willing to trust you with our fears and to set aside those distractions and just be with you. God, help us to be with you every day this week and out of the power of those meetings and that fellowship that we would change the world, that we would shine as a light of peace in a world that is just so stressed out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.